0: You are listening to Message Rewind from Discovery Church. I just want to welcome you guys out uh, for coming out, hanging out with us. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I also want to greet everyone that's online, our online campus. What's up? Can you guys say what's up to our online campus? I don't even know if they can hear you. Maybe they can. They're rooting for you guys. And and so um, I'm so excited about being here this morning uh, I w- I'm going to jump into the message, but before I do, I just want to um, quickly let you guys know of a few things that are, that are happening. The first thing is this, this coming Thursday, if you are a parent of a middle school or a high schooler, uh, we have a youth service night, a hangout night for you guys, 630. Uh, check this out. We're going to feed them. We're going to uh, make them wear a mask, and we're going to social distance them. But they're gonna hear a message. Worship is gonna be phenomenal, and so we'd love for you to to hang out. You'll be getting texts about that and emails about that this week for the location. Um, and it's just a, it's an amazing time. We've had we've had a great show of youth coming out, and this is something that we've partnered with uh, four other churches in in Roner Park, and so. Uh, there's a lot of horrible things that have happened through this pandemic. One amazing thing is just the community of churches coming together, becoming the body of Christ. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm very excited about that. And so that's this coming Thursday, 630. Uh, the last thing that I want uh, to share with you is last year, for those of you that were with us last year, uh, we did a legacy end of the year giving campaign campaign. Um, to get us here. Yes, right? Hey, but no one knew that we'd only use it for two months. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> But the cool thing is during this two months, we've been able to get all the walls are up. We're, we, it's just now a matter of getting electrician out and finishing the plumbing. And we're trying to get everything ready for, um, for whenever the weather starts getting a little... Bad. Luckily, it's super nice now. And um, but so we we last year we did the end of year end of the year giving. Uh, overall, you guys gave uh, over twenty-seven thousand dollars. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like that's amazing. And so, and so what we there's still some things that we need to finish up, and, and some people, some contractors that we still need to hire out. And so on December thirteenth, I don't know how we're gonna do it uh, with the fact that um, uh, that. We don't know how we're going to be meeting, if it's raining that day or whatever. But on December 13th, we are going to have an our second uh, legacy offering. And this is something that we plan on doing every year, and not just for the building, but so that we can sew it back into our community as well. And so uh, we, I would just ask that you just begin to ask God what he would have you Give to that and to just be faithful in, in that moment and, and whatever he asks you to give. And we'll be sending out more information in regards to that, too. Uh, there's a video that we uh, recorded and uh, shows a little bit of what's, what it looks like inside. It doesn't even look like the same place anymore, everybody. It's so cool. So, um, so that's December 13th. And, and so I just want you guys just to begin to pray into that to see, see what uh, God would have you do. Uh, for that season. So without further ado, I want to jump into the message. If uh, you are just joining us for the first time, you, you've never watched us online the past four weeks, five weeks, uh, we have been in this series called Woke. Yes, and, um, and, and so I told everyone that I Urban dictionary what that word means, and it's this idea of opening your proverbial eyes to a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing something. And, and so the reason why we, I call this series Woke and the reason why um, we're, we're talking about this is because, in case you didn't know, uh, this Tuesday's election day. Hey, And, um, and he, here's what I know about the elections without getting too much into the details. He, here's what I know, that there's going to be a group of people who are extremely happy about the results. Then there's going to be a group of people who are extremely disappointed about the Results and what's taken place, and 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 so the goal of this series has been: what if we could learn to not put our hope in man, but in something greater, someone greater? Right? We get this from the scripture. This has been our theme verse: Romans chapter one, uh, or excuse me, Romans chapter thirteen and verse one. Uh, the apostle Paul writes and says this: All of you must obey who rules over you. There are no authorities except the one. God has chosen. Let that just sink in for a little bit. Those who now rule have been chosen by God. And so here's kind of the premise, is we don't want to put our hope in uh, the person that has been placed. We want to put our hope in the person that is placing, right? And so this idea of like, man, what would it look like if we can just literally learn to put our hope and trust in someone greater, Right, like we honor those that are over us, but we place our hope in, in God. And so for the past five weeks, we've been looking at a name of God. Uh, and each week, each week, we've looked at a name of God and uh, what it meant, because his name really defines his character. And so this week, the name of God that we're going to be looking at is El Roy El Roy e. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much again for bringing us here. God, I thank you for each person that's out here today, God, in his beautiful son. Father, we thank you uh, for who you are. God, I pray right now that you would speak uh, through me. God, that, that your word would fall on good ground. God, that it would provoke something in our hearts and in our spirits, God, to draw us closer to you. That's all we want. We just want to be closer to you. So we love you this morning. We thank you, God, and just like I did last week, because it seemed like it worked, God, I pray for the Niners. Father, I thank you. I I thank you, God, that uh God that you you uh you love them. God, I thank you um that you're with them today. In Jesus' name. Come on. Everyone said Amen. Amen. See, you guys didn't know you could pray for a football team, right? Yeah, yeah, you can. Praise God. Hey, so how many of you guys like sad movies? Show of hands, sad movies. A couple people, okay? So a couple people are honest. Like, um, how many guys, when you watch sad movies, like, you cry? Wow, some people wouldn't even raise their hand. They just, the first time. Like, there's something about sad movies that are just so sad, Right, like they're just they're just so sad, and and um, my family. Here's why I'm telling you this. My family. A couple weeks ago, we watched the most saddest movie ever. I'm not gonna tell you what's it. No, I'm just joking. It was Borat, and no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, just trying to be hip, right? Uh, no. So we were watching the movie Mr. Holland's Opus. Like, it's a Disney movie. It's a sad movie. The son can't, like, hear or talk. He can't, he can't hear. There's something that he can't do. And, um, and it's so sad. And we're watching this movie. I, I, I should first say this. Like, I'm not a big crier. Um, I, I just I don't cry a lot, um, at least in public. <laughs> and, and so we're watching this movie, and uh, it's just sad. This whole movie, like, it's building up to this, to this place of just, like, complete and utter, like, sadness. And I'm sitting there, and I'm eating my popcorn, and all of a sudden, some of you guys can relate to this, like, my eyes started filling up with, with, uh, with tears. And, uh, and I'm, like, I'm sitting there eating my popcorn, I'm like, oh, no. And, and so, like, I'm trying to suck him back in. And in case you didn't know, the way you suck back tears is you open your eyes really big, and you're like, and so like I'm trying to suck in my tears, and then uh, like they a little bit starts like trickling down my face, and I'm like trying to wipe, making sure my family doesn't see me cry, and and um and so here I am, I'm like we're watching the movie, and I look, no one says anything, so I'm like, oh this is amazing, they didn't see me, they didn't see me being sad, they didn't see me. Um, crying, okay. The next day, my little boy, he walks up to me. He's like, hey, dad. I'm like, hey. Oh, there he is right there. True story. <laughs> that was weird. I love you, buddy. Go sit with mom. <laughs> he was sitting there the whole time. That's that so awkward. Um, <laughs> so he comes up to me, and he, he says this. He He's like, hey, dad. I'm like, hey. He's like, I saw you cry last night. <laughs> I was like, no, I lost, right? But here's why I'm telling you this I, this idea. Like, I thought that no one saw me in my sadness. And uh, the, the name of God that we're looking at today, El Roy, literally means the Lord that sees me. The Lord that sees me. And so one thought that is very clear that we see all throughout Scripture is this idea that God sees us. Here's a couple of verses that I want to read to you and, and to kind of like uh, to just show you that God sees us. He's always, he's always looking at us. Uh, the first one is Jeremiah 23:24. By the way, on your phone, if you head over to discoverychurch.cc forward slash outdoors, you'll have all the verses there. Jeremiah 23, 24 says this. No one can hide where I cannot see them. Oh, my gosh. Do you not know that I am everywhere in heaven and in earth? Uh, Psalms 33, verse 13. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all of mankind. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give in account. So here's this idea that God sees everything. He sees all of us, to which some of us were excited about that. Others were like, uh. Right? Because if we think about it, like we love the fact we would love to see God see us go to church, Right? We would love to walk into church and be like, yo, God, I'm here. You see this, right? But then on the flip side, like there are times where we're like, oh, man, I just I hope God doesn't see me do this. I hope God doesn't see me do that. I hope God didn't hear me say this. I hope he didn't hear me say that. Like we want him to see us at church. We don't want him to see what we do at the club. Like, we want him to see what we do in public in front of people. We don't want him to see what we do in private behind closed doors. And this idea, like, when we think about God, how the Lord sees us, it's, it's really, we're, we're trying to build up this idea that, that he sees all of us. He sees everything. But, but I want to I kind of hone it in even, even tighter this morning. A- and I want us to, to look at the idea that God doesn't just see the good. He doesn't just see the bad. But he sees you in your sadness, too. Like this morning, I want you to know that God sees you in your sadness, He sees you in your despair. He sees you in your discouraging times. He sees you in your painful times, in your painful moments. Now, when I was writing these notes down, I I wrote down, this is a big deal. Because for a lot of us, when I say God sees me in our sadness, you automatically go to, well, if God sees me in my sadness, why am I still dealing with this? If God sees me in my pain, why do I still have this discomfort? If God sees me in my pain, why am I still facing this issue and that issue? And, and we, 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 we relate God's ability to see us with him um, being willing to, uh, to, to, uh, to tangibly respond to our situation. Does that make sense so far? Like, we, we, we feel like... God, if in fact you do see me, you would change my situation. How, how many of you guys have ever just felt that? Like, God, if you really see me, like, why don't you just change the situation for me? Why don't you just just do this or, or or do that? And when he doesn't, when he doesn't change our situation, it feels like he doesn't see me. When he doesn't change my predicament, it feels like he doesn't see me but I want to propose to you this morning that sometimes your situation is not just about God seeing you but you seeing God I'll say that again sometimes in your situation it's not just about God seeing you but it's an opportunity for you to see God we actually see this in the story that we're going to read in Genesis chapter 16 uh, it's it's about a, a girl or a lady named Hagar, and Hagar she uh, she is a, a maidservant f- uh, to this couple Abram and Sarai. And uh, a little bit of a backdrop of what's happening is uh she she she's getting a little um there, there's a little tension in the household between Sarai and uh, and Abram. See they're they're unable the couple that, that she serves, uh, they're unable to have babies. They're, they're unable, she's unable to have babies, and, and, and so uh, the wife, Sarai, she looks to Abram, and she says, hey, Abram, I, I have a great idea. What if you married Hagar, our maidservant, and had a baby with her, and uh, and then and then all the problems are solved, right? Now, I know like now, culturally, we're like, oh, that's so weird, but like during this time period, this would not be something that was, would be, uh, looked down upon, or, 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 it, this was kind of just part of, 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 of this time period, like, and, and so Abram, he's such a great guy, he's like, sure, I'll do that, right, like, uh, if you, if you're forcing me to, I will, and, um, and so thank you, Abram, for just taking one for the team, and, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> It hasn't sunk into some yet. <laughs> but it will. <laughs> I promise. And so 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 he's so so he, he's like, okay, I will and so scripture says in, in Genesis chapter 16 that him and Hagar have a baby. And uh, now now that Hagar she, she's pregnant, Sarai, Abram's wife, goes to Abram and's like, What did you do? Hashtag married life, right? Like, She's, she's like, what? why did you do that? And Abram's like, I just, you said and I, I did. And there's a little bit of tension happening. And then we read in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 6 that, uh, that Sarai, the wife, begins to look at Hagar in contempt. She, she begins to look at Hagar in and, uh, and, and disgust. She becomes jealous of Hagar. And we read in verse 6 of chapter 16 in the book of Genesis that Hagar, or excuse me, that Sarai treats, begins to treat Hagar so bad that Hagar runs away. And I want to stop there and just have this opportunity for us to ponder, have you ever been in a place where you felt so much pain, so much discomfort that you just ran away? Like maybe not physically, but maybe it's like running towards something, mentally running away from something. This idea that, that man, this, this pain that I'm dealing with so much that, that, this pain, it hurts so much that I'm just going to run away from it all. I wonder this morning how many of us have ever been in that place, in that season, of just feeling so discouraged, so distraught, so demoralized, that we just want to run away and give up. And so Hagar, in verse 6 says, she leaves. She runs away. And so she's single. She's pregnant. She's all alone. Scripture says that she found herself in the desert. All alone. And let's read this in, in verse uh, 7 in chapter 16. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. So here is Hagar alone. God, don't you see me? God, don't you see what I'm dealing with? Don't you see my pain? God, don't you see my situation? Don't you see the things I'm dealing with? God, don't you see me? And I think that paints a beautiful picture of how sometimes life feels like we're in this desert all by ourselves, in pain, saying, God, don't you see me? Don't you see me? And verse 7 I love this because this is very encouraging. It says that the angel of the Lord found her in the desert. So not only did God see her, but he pursued her. And then, uh, so, so this is this amazing opportunity. The Lord finds her, and uh, he sees her. But watch, guys, this is amazing. Watch the advice that, that he gives her in verse 9. This is, this is phenomenal. Okay, so she's by herself. She just ran away from this place of pain, and the, and God finds her, and this is his advice. This is what he tells her. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to Sarai and submit to her. What kind of advice is that? And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking, man, like, I'm going to find a different story because that just doesn't work. <laughs> that does not fit what I'm trying to say on a Sunday morning. But then I, verse 9 doesn't make sense. And it's verse 9 seems so negative and so uh, buzzkill by itself. But if you read it with verse 10, all of a sudden something shifts, something changes. There's actually some hope. So verse 9 God says, return to Sarai and submit to her. Then the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. So he tells her to go back. And verse 9 seems, ah, this is the worst ever. But what what verse 10 helps out is is because verse 9 says to go back. But verse 10 says, even in your pain, I'm still going to do a miracle. Even in your deepest sorrow, I'm still going to do a miracle. Even when your season and situation seem so down, I'm still going to do a miracle. That is amazing to me. This idea that God can still see me, he can still move in my situation, even when I'm in the midst of my hardship, even when I'm in the midst of my pain, even when I'm in the midst of my hardest situation, God can still see me and he can still move. Come on, somebody, that's so good. That is good news. I'm so glad that God is not limited to working when things are good. I'm so glad that God is okay with getting his hands dirty with my situation. I'm so glad that God is not like, Ugh, fix it first and then, I'll, and then call me. I'm so glad that God's like, hey, come here. Come on, that, that pain that you're going through, that hurt that you're going through, that discouragement, come here, come here. And like he wants to help us even in the midst of our season and situation of pain. I love that. And Hagar, what's interesting is that Hagar could have very well been offended at this, right? Like, who do you think you are, God? You're sending me back to that place of pain? Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? But instead, we read in verse 13 that not only was she not offended, but she was almost encouraged. Because watch what she says in verse 13. She said, uh, verse 13 says, "She gave his he gave, woo, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, "I have now seen the one who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Her ability to, her ability to understand that God saw her, was dependent on her ability to first encounter him. Sometimes your situation is not just about God seeing you, but you seeing God in your situation. She said, God, I will name you El Royim, the God who sees me, who sees me in the desert, who sees me in my pain, who sees me in my my, uh, worst state, who sees me in my horrible situation. He is the God who sees me. Hey, this morning I want you to know whatever desert you feel like you're in, no matter what situation you feel like you're facing, I need you to understand and, and to realize that God sees you. That just because the situation hasn't changed does not mean that God does not see you. He sees you. He sees you, and in your pain, in your frustration, He can still move. As our keyboarder comes up, I want to close with this parable that Jesus talks about that I think really exemplifies this idea. It's a story of the prodigal son. You guys remember that story? And so here's this, here's this, uh, this Jesus, he's telling this this parable, this story of this this son who went up to his dad and was like, hey, dad, I want my inheritance. I want, and the dad's so gracious, right? The dad's so gracious, he gives him his inheritance and the son goes out and he spends it on everything. He buys everything. He's the guy that... He, he's the guy that buys the round for the entire bar, right? He's the guy that's like, hey, I'll pay for your Uber. He, he, like, he's that guy. He's the guy that's just living, living life to the fullest. And, and so scripture says that, that he, sp- he ends up spending all of his money. And one day he wakes up and he has nothing. He has no money, which means he now has no friends. And uh, he needs to get a job. So he, he, he finds this, this, this job to, to help with, with the pigs. And uh, in the scripture, in the parable that Jesus is saying, that uh, the guy, the boy, the young man, becomes so hungry that he begins to eat the pig slop. And then he gets this epiphany. He's like, hey, like, man, even my father's servants are better off than this. And so what he does... Is he decides that he is going to go home, and he keeps walking. He keeps walking, and uh, and he finds this, this. Uh, th- he sees his father's house far off, and and remember, it's not just about us. It's not just about God seeing us in the situation. It's about us seeing God in the situation. And so here he is. He's walking up to, to his father's house. He's in his worst state, the worst situation, his worst state. He's, he's distraught. He's, he, he's at the end of his rope. He, he, he just, he's done. And in the parable says, Jesus says in the parable that the father saw the son far off. And the father ran to the son. Like he was excited. He ran to his son in the son's worst state ever. Like he ran to him. Like he saw his son. But remember, it's not just the fact that God sees us, but it's also us seeing God in our situation. And could you imagine how that son felt when he saw his father, who he thought his dad was going to hire him back as a servant, when he saw his father run towards him with open arms? Because God doesn't just see you, sees you. He doesn't just see you, man, but he has compassion on you. He doesn't just see you, but he's affectionate towards you. He doesn't just see you. But he's running towards you. This morning, I'll, I want you to know that he sees you. Elroy, the God who sees me, he sees you with open arms. He's waiting for you to encounter him, he's waiting for you to approach him.